Hello, I'm Amber Athey, The Spectator's Washington editor, and I'm here to encourage you to subscribe to The Spectator's American edition. If you visit spectator.us forward slash subscribe, you can get our print and digital edition for just $7.99 a month. This means you get unlimited access to our amazing website and we'll send you a beautiful 80-page monthly magazine. You'll also have access to our mobile app. Subscribe now at spectator.us forward slash subscribe. You won't regret it. Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and now the Joe Biden presidency. We will be looking at how a 78-year-old president will change America and we'll be asking if normalcy which is what he promised to bring, has returned to American politics? The answer, of course, is no. I'm joined today by Grace Curley, who is host of The Grace Curley Show and a writer for The Boston Herald and The Spectator. And we're going to be asking, why is Liz Cheney still a Republican? Now, Grace, you have written a, an excellent piece for The Spectator today, essentially saying it would be good for the Republican Party if Liz Cheney goes. And sort of the sooner the better, I think, is the gist of your piece. Can you give, for our English listeners who probably aren't sort of up to speed on what's been going on with Liz Cheney, can you give us the sort of the lay of the land? Well, Liz Cheney has made it very clear that she does not like Donald Trump, that she does not agree with Donald Trump. And what I've been noticing is that there's this argument that keeps happening about whether or not there's room for opposing views in the modern GOP and whether or not, you know, anyone who disagrees or doesn't bend the knee, that's a term I keep hearing, doesn't bend the knee to Donald Trump, whether there's room for them in this party. And I think that question kind of misses the point because I think the real issue here is that she has a very important job in the Republican leadership. She's the third highest position and her job is to keep us on message and her job is to help us win in the midterms, which we desperately need to do. Her job is to focus on the mushrooming problems that the Biden administration is trying to distract from. And instead, what she's doing is she's kind of allowing the media to use her as this shiny object. And she's getting all of this strange new respect from people like Representative Sheila Jackson Lee. And as I'm watching this, I'm just thinking, why do we need this? I don't care what she thinks about Donald Trump. She can feel however she wants. But if you're not doing your job, you're not doing your job. It's just that simple. Well, she's quite an interesting figure in her own right. I mean, she's the daughter of Dick Cheney. So for in a lot of people's minds, she is, she is connected to the Bush era party. So you see all the Bush era Republicans who really feel they've lost their party. They are all kind of gathering to support her now against this, this Trump onslaught. I was actually talking about this today and someone brought up a great point. They said the swamp has no party affiliation. In other words, like these old school politicians who really enjoyed how politics were working pre-Donald Trump, they will stand up for each other and they will go to bat for each other. And I actually, speaking of Sheila Jackson Lee, she wrote a piece in CNN where she talked about how she thinks Mitt Romney, Liz Cheney, and George W. Bush are all patriots. And I was thinking, those three, I mean, Cheney, Bush, Romney, it's its just complete swamphood. I mean, I'm not surprised that everyone is coming to her defense. 
But I will say, and this is kind of a theory I've had lately, where if the media is giving you praise, that is a red flag for me, regardless of, you know, what you say or whatever. I just find that the people that they truly hate are usually the people who I find myself going, okay, that person will fight for conservative values. And if they start feeling like you're a martyr or you're a hero or you're the last person to restore the soul of the Republican Party, I start to get skeptical. Yeah, I mean, you call them, the, you called uh, Cheney, Romney, Bush, the, the Bermuda Triangle of the swamp. When you talk about the swamp, what do you mean now? Because it felt to me like there was a sort of Trump swamp within the Trump administration, right? There's, there's a Trump swamp. What is the swamp now? Is it just a sort of leftover Republican Party that you want to see destroyed? When I think of the swamp, I think of people who are very happy, politicians who are very happy not having power. And when they do have power, they they kind of freeze up and all of these ideas that they talk about all the time, whether it's illegal immigration or, you know, cutting taxes or anything else, they get really hesitant when they actually have the power. I think people like Mitt Romney, and this is no shade to Fox News, but a lot of networks like Fox, Fox News, they kind of loved the Obama era because they could throw red meat out to conservatives and talk this big game. But then once Trump became president, a lot of those same people were suddenly clutching their pearls and they, you know, we have to take things slow and we can't actually do all of these things. And that's what I consider the swamp. People who were very happy with the status quo for a very long time and didn't actually want things to change. They just wanted to talk about wanting things to change. Do you think maybe there's a problem, though, for the, I suppose, the Trump era Republican Party? It's always been at war with the supposed Trump establishment. And pretty soon it will have hounded out, you know, the last of the of the swamp. The swamp is is being drained of that particular set of swamp creatures, right? I mean, is this a problem that once the Republicans are in charge, they'll have nothing to blame for their own failures if indeed they fail? Yeah, there probably is an element of it that is about having someone to blame or, or, you know, playing the blame game. But the more I see of the Biden administration, I don't think we have time for... There's a lot of talk about, you know, this kind of, can we can we have differing views and is it okay to reach across the aisle or is it okay to be a Republican and not a Trump Republican? And I understand that, but I just don't think right now is the time to have that debate. I think that the Biden administration is so extreme and the stakes are very high right now. Like I, I read stories every day where I go, oh my God, whether it's critical race theory or whether it's lockdowns, where I really say to myself, wow, we need some adults back in the room. So I don't know um, what the Republican Party has to do to kind of get their messaging together and get on track, but they are feeding into this narrative that the left loves, which is there's a civil war in the GOP and the GOP is fractured and all of this kind of talk. And Liz Cheney is just the new face of that talk. She's not, this isn't the first time they've, they've tried to run with this. She's just giving them a real in with it. If that makes sense. Yes. And it's also something, I mean, Democrats have talked about the civil war within the GOP since before Trump. It's not actually a, a Trump phenomenon. It's it's a sort of wedge that the Democrats have always tried to do, just as right does to left in in other countries. And, and also what, what the Republicans have done to the Democrats right now is try and drive a wedge between their base 
and supposedly the establishment party. Yeah, and that I think is, you're absolutely right. And it does happen a lot with the left as well. But the difference is, I don't think it has to be happening right now with Republicans, because I think if you look at what most regular conservatives and even moderate Democrats, what they really want and kind of what their checklist is, is just a lot of normal, regular things. Like, we don't have to be perfect. We just have to be kind of a foil against what's happening on the left. I think it's a great time for the GOP. I think right now, looking at some of these things that the Biden administration is trying to do, this could be our time. So I understand why their party would have infighting. I fully get that. Because, I mean, they're trying to defund the police and they're also trying to, you know, create a climate core with 1.5 million people. Their stuff is really out there, but our stuff doesn't have to be. So I don't know why we would start kind of going against each other right now. It is odd, isn't it, that so many Democrats are keen to talk about this story. The Washington Post obviously ran Liz Cheney's piece saying that, that history is looking on us, which is, as you say, it's always a worrying phrase when someone says history is looking upon us. What she really means is history is looking at me, right? But I was I was interested that all these Democrats come out. You know, Pelosi's got involved, made a statement about it. David Axelrod has said Cheney is as conservative as they come, which I think is an odd statement from from someone like him. I mean, you're right. I think that the Democrats are uh, ramping up this story because the GOP civil war for them is a, is a much better talking point than a lot of other talking points that are bubbling up suddenly in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and I, I, the thing that drives me probably the most crazy is this idea that we're supposed to be as Republicans, and I'm a conservative, I'm a, I'm a Trump supporter, I don't you know, try to pretend that I'm not, I, I'm an opinion writer and that's what I do, but whenever I read these stories about whether it's Washington Post or New York Times or anyone or Nancy Pelosi coming out and heaping praise on Lynn Cheney, she didn't even get her name right, I just find it hilarious that what they really, I think, expect from conservatives is for us to go, wow, even Representative Sheila Jackson Lee and Nancy Pelosi think that Liz Cheney's great. She must be a warrior. She must be such a class act if even they're supporting her and they're Democrats. And it's just like, I don't, I just think they in their minds, they really have such low expectations for us reading through the situation. We saw it with Jeff Flake, we saw it with Mitt Romney. We see it all the time. They create these new heroes that they want you to think are representative of the average Republican voter. And how many times are they gonna do it before people start going, eh, I don't think Liz Cheney's the hill we wanna die on. Well, we also saw it with John McCain and, and the friendship between Joe Biden and John McCain is very much of an ilk with this sort of Liz Cheney love of of it sort of it's it's guys being chummy in Washington right it's guys who respect each other in Washington and they're quite happy to do deals that may or may not be good for the American people but they can feel like they're talking to each other yeah and and I'm I'm glad you brought that up because I've had this in my mind and I was I was going to work it into the piece but I just didn't have enough room but all I could think about was the George W Bush Michelle Obama love affair that like this is the pinnacle of what america is supposed to be he's republican she's democrat and they get along and he hands her hard candy and i'm just sitting there going okay they're in their million dollar homes they're friends for 40 seconds on camera 
why do I care? Like, why is that supposed to move me so much when there's actual things? And I, I think it's a way of trying to sugarcoat what the Democrats are all, all about by making you think that, like, it's old school. We can all get along. And that's wonderful. I love getting along with people on the other side. But when you have real problems happening and the press isn't asking about it and no one's kind of hitting them hard with these real issues, whether it's the crisis at the border or anything, George Bush and Michelle Obama trading Werther's at an event is not something that's going to change my mind. Liz Cheney getting a nice write-up in the New York Times is not going to make me change how I vote or suddenly start supporting her. Mm. I suppose what it taps into is is this unity idea, right, which is what Biden talked about in his inauguration speech. And I think a lot of people on the right, I imagine this is what you feel, is that unity is, is meant to apply to a bunch of sort of fictional conservatives, right? A, a sort of very, very small group of maybe 12 people in Washington and four people who have columns in the Washington Post. And those are the people that they want to have unity with. They don't actually want to have unity with people that might have even entertained the thought of voting for Donald Trump. That's exactly it. It's this idea that, oh, there's so much unity. We're, we're all going to get along and it's go- going to be wonderful. And then the part of it that really bothers me is that I've watched these Democrats, I watch their press conferences, I watch the mainstream media, and they don't like my ideas and they don't like me. And I would go one step further to say, I think for a lot of Trump supporters, we kind of feel like they hate us. And so it's wonderful that there's a few select conservatives that they can get along with and that they can tolerate, but that doesn't change what's happening in my world. And I also want to say, I notice Biden does this a lot too, where he'll say, you know, oh, well, the, the Republicans in Congress might not have voted for this. They might not agree with it, but there's a lot of Republican voters that agree with it. And I'm just thinking to myself, who, who, who are these conservative mystery voters who are all for this radical agenda? I don't know any. And that's, that's kind of where I, where I stand on it. <laughs> well, let me put this to you. Who's swampier in your mind? Is it Kevin McCarthy, who clearly, you know, wanted to sound anti-Trumpy when there was the, 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 all the complaints after the storming of the Capitol, so on, and maybe he genuinely did find that a shocking moment. A lot of people did. Or is it Liz Cheney, who seems to be angling for, as, as you say, a, a kind of a position as a pundit on CNN, probably, eventually? I mean, it seems to me... At least Liz Cheney, although she is obviously doing it to be lauded by Democrats, she's fairly consistent. I think there are quite a few people who, depending which way the wind was blowing in the Republican Party, they would move whichever way it was. If it was pro-Trump, they'd be pro-Trump. If it was saying Trump's the the devil, they would say Trump's the devil. Yeah, and you know what, Freddie? I didn't think of it like that, and that's why I love going on podcasts like yours, because it, it does make you think. It does make you kind of go, oh, that's 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 interesting. I... I do have to give her credit. You're right, because even though I disagree with her and even though I think she's looking for, you know, praise from a group of people who are never really going to like her. I always go back to when Megyn Kelly went to NBC and someone interviewed Tommy Lauren outside of Fox and she said, that's great for her, but I just want to remind Megyn, they're never going to actually like you. They like you right now because you fit their little puzzle piece for the anti-Trump thing, but they're never going to like you. And it was absolutely true. And... I think that's an element of it is that they're never really going to like you. But if you can get a job on CNN, good for you. As far as the people who just would change their minds based off the day. Yeah. yeah. 
those people really bugged me, especially towards the end of the Trump administration when people were getting out with like 14 days left. It's like, I mean, the damage is done. Whatever you're trying to avoid, it's it's not going to work. I don't know. That's a real good question. You know what? I do a poll question every day on my show, and that might have to be it today. Who's swampier? I don't know. You, you stumped me on that. Sorry. My producer, who I think is horrified at how uh, right-wing this conversation has is is become, has just said to me that uh, Liz Cheney voted with Trump about 90% of the time. So perhaps, you know, maybe the fault is with people like us who assume because she's got this connection to the Bush era that she is a kind of rhino... And maybe we're too quick to dismiss her. What do you say to that? I would say that normally I would blame the media for how how much they're focusing on it. But then when I see that she's writing pieces for the Washington Post, it just doesn't compute with me. Like if you really, if your goal was really to advance the GOP agenda and raise money and fundraise and win the midterms, I don't understand why you're still stuck on this. And actually there's a lot of Republicans out there who are not big Trump supporters at all, who have said, you know, off the record, she needs to drop this. It's, it's like an obsession of talking about it. I just don't think it's helping anyone at this point. It would just be easier to just let it go. That's my take. I suppose the one thing I would sort of sympathize with Lichani on is, is about the, the one man nature of Trumpism. That I mean, it's either a movement, a real movement, or it is a personality cult. And I think looking ahead to 2024, if Trump does come back, will the Republican Party still be as sort of infatuated, either hating or loving Donald Trump? Or will it become a more a, a broader political movement? I think a big part of the one man party Trump issue was that I think a lot of us, I, I think when, when you really want someone to win and then they do win, you get kind of fatigued after a while and you're not that impressed with them. But, and I, I hate to pin everything on the media, but I that's, I do watch them a lot and that's what I write we, about We are to blame for everything. I found that after Trump got elected, because they never gave him a little bit of a grace period or because they never ever gave him the benefit of the doubt, I found myself, even when Trump would say something a little outlandish or something that he, you know, or would tweet something that I didn't agree with, I always found myself going back to his side with how grotesquely unfair and kind of sloppy some of the reporting was. And now, fast forward with the Biden administration, I'm sitting here watching these press conferences with Jen Psaki and... I'm I'm a little bit amazed at the state of journalism. I'm not saying that I expect them to treat Biden like they treated Trump. Of course not. But even to just go back to like basic questions that would, you know, get to the heart of an issue doesn't seem like it's that crazy of an ask. And so I, I think that's where where it happens, where it's a combination of both. Yes, Trump has fervent, like excited followers. He has a crazy, enthusiastic base, but People also hate the media and they make it way too easy for us to hate them because they're just not doing a good job. Grace, I think we'll end it there. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you very much for listening to that episode of Americano. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. And if you really enjoyed it, please leave us a star rating, preferably five stars, and a review.